<laughs> How dare you record this? <laughs> I, like, okay. I'm sorry. I need to- <laughs> Welcome to the Masters of Comic Books podcast, where we're two fanboys with all the power. I'm your player one, Cole L. And I'm your player two, Dayspring. Folks, we are celebrating our top five superheroines today. And in order to do that, we are bringing in a player three who happens to be our favorite cosplayer, Michelle Waffle Odero. Hi, guys. Hello, hello. Hey. (laughs) How are you doing today? Um, I'm doing good. I'm excited. Like, I really, I really thought about the list that we're about to discuss and it was really hard for me to pick four and five I feel like my top three are definitely solid Mm. but there's just such like a strong like cool um, amazing like kick-ass ladies to choose from I'm excited to hear like your guys's thoughts I could this morning I just like was tossing and turning. I was going through my list in my head and I was like, no, but what about this character and this character? And I was like, it's not fair if I don't put this character, but, but then I personally adore this character, but are they top five, you know, it's it's all over the place. What are the like criteria really just being like fabulous and strong or like, you know, great outfit choice, most functional. Exactly. Functional. Um, Props, teammates, like cultural impact, you know, celebrity status, historical perspectives, objective, subjective, because like if this was it, if it was just subjective, Jean Grey, Jean Grey, Jean Grey, Jean Grey, Jean Grey for me. That's it. I just hear the song. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, Paul's list is done now. I mean, to be honest, I feel like Paul and mine's list might be like very similar. I know. I thought about that when we were putting it together. I did too. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I have a couple of curveballs, though, I think. Oh. I don't know if they're curveballs, but I don't know. I try to at least limit mine at least one from each medium, maybe. Otherwise, I I tried to do the same thing, Cole. Yeah. I, um, I like that you did that. Let me okay. see. And Do I have one from every medium? Mm. I may or may not. I'm not. I don't want to spoil anything. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm really interested. I'm like so. Uh, I can't talk. I'm super uh, excited to hear what Coles are because I feel like you had a different generation of heroes to choose from. You had more options as well. Oh, yeah, so I'm. I'm like really excited. And Cole, do you, do you have like sisters or like like any like strong females in your life that may have influenced my mother or decision making? Oh, my mother, hundred percent. Mom, I love my mom. I love that Oprah question, Michelle Waffle <laughs> Otero, aka Player Three. Welcome to being a permanent fixture. <laughs> like, like I, that. I, I love how you come in on the treehouse here, and you're just like, "Let me be Oprah right now." That was a, such a thoughtful, insightful question. Thank you. This is why I love you so much. Oh, I mean, I grew up with two younger brothers, and so they definitely influenced. Um, my geekiness and health 
kind of introduced me to like comics and stuff. Otherwise, I probably would have been like a like a foofy girl, you know, like um like a girly girl. Instead, I'm more of like a tomboy. Yes. I, I was just that. curious. Well, you know, there's there's so many to pick from, and we're gonna do it right now. We're gonna okay. kick off with our number five pick. And folks at home, we're all gonna have different picks. We're gonna talk about them, and then at the end, we're gonna see if we can decide on just one. <laughs> one overall. Do we have from that all of our, all of our choices. <laughs> like we, the three of us have to agree on one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well. I don't know who I'm picking. I'm pretty sure <laughs> I, I know order Paul's a pizza? picking. I don't know if we're going to have that. <laughs> <story>. <laughs> we're gonna, it's going to be insane. <laughs> All right. So our number five pick, Michelle, kick us off with your number okay. five. So my number five pick, she's not a traditional superheroine in the sense of like having powers or, um, you know, like, well, I guess she's a techie. She's a techie. Um, she runs her own business. Has a band. I know who you're going with. I know and, who you're going with. And also makes time to take care of young orphan girls. Is she like, truly she, outrageous? She is <laughs> truly, truly outrageous, Paul. Truly. The face on Paul's face right now <laughs> makes my day. <laughs> Of course, I had to go with my girl, Jem. Yes! Hey, Jerrica. <laughs> She's an 80s icon. She is, like, stylish, like, living a double life. She's basically a spy, like, if you think about it. Like, she was training for that or something. Running a company by herself. She's got to be, like, in her like, early 20s, maybe? Yeah. Mid-20s? She's a baby. Running a company, having to, like, fend off this like nasty corporate dude trying to buy her out and then battling her like nemesis what was the misfits we are the misfits our songs are better we are the misfits (laughs) the misfits and we're gonna get get her i always thought though it's i always thought the lyric was we are the misfits our souls are bitter. Like, oh, I I mean, Damn, that's dark. I know. <laughs> I mean, it could be that. Gem and the holograms was icon. It was so defining for me. So Jerrica, aka Gem, was on my list, but I did take her off. <gasps> oh, I know. It's okay. I'm it's so- okay. It's okay. Because I put her on mine. It's okay. Because she's there. But Kolal, yeah. do you know Gem and the holograms? I've heard of it. You know, it, we're, we're going to a- start... Yeah, we're going to just start a list for you of things to watch. And then you just tell us how you feel about them. And then 30 plus years later, after you've consumed it all, then you get done. (laughs) But for those at home, you know, who don't really know Gem and the Holograms, I think Michelle, you sort of summed it up really well. It's the story of this girl named Jerrica. And she inherits Starlight Records from her dad who passes away. And he also had an orphanage. And so she's tasked with taking care of these girls while also living a double life as a pop star known (laughs) as Jem, who she becomes after this like computer named Synergy transforms her via holograms into Jem. It's 
It's insane. It's it's so over the top 80s. And by the way, there are some things on that show that you could not get away with in today's world, like the misfits going up to Bonnie, who's one of the orphans going, hey, orphan girl, isn't that your parents in the lobby? <laughs> and Bonnie's like, so and my buddy's like, oh, my God, mom, dad. He goes, oh, my goodness. They're horrible. <laughs> are truly the misfits terrible. are mean. They're mean girls. But you know what? In defense to the misfits, like they are the real deal. They don't use holograms. They don't got that trust fund money. That's they true. literally that's true. They're, they're working girls, you know. They're working girls. Episode one, like Pizzazz really dyes her hair green. Like Jerrica is a blonde who's just like synergy. Just put on like this pink hologram over me. Like Pizzazz goes every day to the salon to get those roots dyed green. And, and in we that- know about roots. Oh, girl, look at that. Look at that. I'm a brunette again. <laughs> <laughs> But that that's gem. I could go on about gem. I could too. Should we just turn this into a gem episode and I'll just consume it all? Yes. yes. We'll yes. make Let's you a just, believer. Yeah. It's showtime synergy. Showtime synergy. Colel, <laughs> your number five. My number five. She is not uh I wouldn't say a traditional superhero or or in has any powers though. But she is from a video game of one of my favorites that I've played non-stop and all the time uh it is actually ellie from the last of us oh okay Okay. that's that is a deep cut right there that is that that really is i mean i chose i love her toughness and like she's accepts the world that she lives in and just decides to keep on pushing forward and stuff because i mean she's basically living in the apocalypse with these zombies running around but she protects everyone that she loves um, and does not give up, and she is tough as hell. Plus, she appreciates puns. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't played The Last of Us. Oh, I great. haven't either. I know who I'm... she is. Yeah. No, tell us more. <laughs> tell us more about her, Colin. Like, what's her story? Well, I'm going to uh, do this from the first game. So she's a 14-year-old girl who uh, is, she appears to be immune from the virus that broke out. And her and Joel are to go to the Fireflies so they can try to extract whatever's keeping her immune and stuff. It ends up being just like this wonderful journey that turns into a father and daughter relationship uh, between Joel and Ellie. She's just a a great character. I mean, she's strong and tough for being a 14-year-old. and But she's just an awesome character. And there's a part in the game where Joel gets injured. Uh, He ends up getting... Uh, have something like puncture his stomach and everything and she ends up having to take care of him for just being a 14 year old she like takes care of joel the whole time and she just you can tell the love she has for the people she cares for and is willing to do anything to protect them and i love that that sounds beautiful in the second game doesn't she lose her father figure and have to like go on without him like by herself is that correct? Yeah, it's kind of like she goes. It's uh, she goes for revenge and stuff. So she is a strong, badass lady. A strong Young lady. Oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I think the second game. I don't know how far the second game is. Maybe five, five to seven years later, or anything, or something like that. So like she's in her early twenties. Yeah, and I don't know uh, anything she's about open, her. <laughs> and she's openly gay know. too, which I love. Oh, she is. Oh, I didn't okay. know that. I didn't know she was LGBT. Oh. Yeah, and I didn't know that either. Yeah, in the DLC for, uh, I think it's called Left Behind, uh, she shares a kiss with one of her 
best friends in it and it was a huge mm-hmm. shock and like I literally like jumped up and down and cheered it was like oh. a best it was it was a very sweet moment too with it that I is sweet that. I like Ellie Ellie I'm looking at her character model right now she's gorgeous I Isn't love that she she is she's real I like that they in the second one they like made her they aged her up a little bit made her a little tougher you know because she's been out in the world with all these like zombies and everything yeah. so she's she's starting to really like come into her own or she had a, a mentor before and then now she's on her own still trying i think does she have like a dog too or like a let's get that dog um, i don't know i don't think remember. so she i don't play zombie movies but i was interested in like learning the story so i did a lot of like wikipedia researching the story is really intriguing that's what uh that company naughty dog is really good at coming up mm-hmm. with some fantastic stories i think because they also did uncharted and i almost put one of their characters from that series on this list too that was really hard to choose all right well my number five pick much like both of you is not any super powered individual it was originally going to be jerica gem because how could it not be <laughs> but i'm sorry gem you are off the list for number five, which is April Harriet O'Neill oh. from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Shut That's the very front nice, door. I love that pick. So she was a household name in the 80s. And I remember trying to find her action figure. <laughs> she was the first chase figure I ever went after. And like I would go to Play World and there was this woman named Dolores there. She'd be like, <laughs> Well, you know, they only pack April one per case. That was the first time I ever heard the term one per case. I was four years old. Do you know how traumatized? Can I buy a whole case? (laughs) (laughs) My mom was like, I just meal, don't do that. (laughs) My mom's like, why do you want the muñequita? You know, the Spanish like little girl doll or something like that. Yeah, just say I have a, you know, she's. She's the chase. She's mom. the chase, mom. What the fuck, mom? Yeah. If I said rare. what the fuck, mom, to my mom, <laughs> I wouldn't be here today. Oh, <laughs> I I would for sure. Yeah, my, my mom my... would be like, okay, we're gonna get that chase figure. <laughs> <laughs> my mom would be okay, glad okay, see, like I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, relax. Relax. <laughs> relax. <laughs> like, um But no, you know, and I know April had damsel in distress tendencies. Like I think of the video game where you have to kind of like go rescue her in that first level. But she was able to transcend those tropes. And I really feel she was known as being the Channel 6 reporter. And when she was Cat April, it was just next level. And I, and I, I, I loved her in the movies, Judith Hogg and Paige Turco, I believe played her and, you know, no shade on Megan Fox. Cause I did love Jennifer's body quite a bit. And at one point she was supposed to be the spiritual successor to Angelina Jolie, but <laughs> Megan Fox, you know, in the movies didn't quite do it for me, but April for me, that yellow jumpsuit, she was so iconic, her recording everything mm-hmm. on the playground when all the boys, you know, picked their turtles, there was none left for me. So I would be April and I'd go around doing that. Oh, that's <laughs> and adorable. Funny. Yeah. So, you know, I, I love April. I think she, she did a lot for that era. I think it is a very limited you know, era in terms of like scope of narrative, because she eventually does get a romance with Casey, but she wasn't, you know, and she's like that girl in the treehouse trope, but I think she was part of the team. She just, you didn't question her. She brought something different 
to the team, to the turtles. So that's why I loved her. In the last Ronin, um, I don't know if you've read it. I read the first issue because Justin has it. And she's actually like pretty badass. Yeah. Uh, she's yeah. got like, a, she's got a lot of war wounds, like physically and emotionally. I love that. Um, yeah. And then she has a daughter that she's also taking care of. It's it's uh, pretty cool. I think you should check it out. You might like it. I, I smell an upcoming read for us <laughs> when our player three returns. Uh, yes. Sure. Colal, do you have any feels on, on Ms. April O'Neil? Well, I'm not too familiar with the TMNT stuff. So. <laughs> they did a couple reboots, I think, on Nickelodeon where they, they changed her character a few times where I think... Um, I remember she had a more like street vibe, like mm-hmm. with her outfit and her her lingo. And then the most recent one, I believe they made her a person of color. Yeah, oh, I really? saw wow. that. I was very mm-hmm. happy with that. Yeah. I, I loved it. Um yeah, she she I couldn't quite keep track of what she was after the fact with things. Um Hang on a second. Um, I, I couldn't quite keep up with what she was after things, but she eventually, what I loved about it, just came shining through as a really strong, empowering character for that yeah. for that team. Yeah, she wasn't just like the token female on the team. I mean, sometimes she kind of was, but for the most part, like she had a more, um, like a larger role to play with the team like she kind of helped them figure things out because they didn't know they were they were turtles who ate pizza yeah because they were turtles and they ate pizza yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) our number four pick guys michelle who's your number four okay my number four she started off as a villainess (gasps) in a male driven tv show but people loved her so much that they brought her back, changed her character to give her this redemption arc, gave her a kick-ass blonde sidekick, and her show actually did better than the spinoff that she came from. So my number four is the badass warrior woman, actually warrior princess, Xena. Yes! Yes! <laughs> I love Lucy Lawless. Oh my God. I didn't even think of her for my list. And I feel so ashamed right now. It's okay. Actually, Justin uh, gave me that one. I was like, babe, who do I like? Like, I like so many, but who do I, who do I talk about? And he's like, what about that one, the Zena? And I was like, yes. Oh my God, Zena. I was homeschooled uh, junior, like two years of junior high, year and a half, something like that. So I was at home a lot by myself and we had, we had literal like satellite TV. Like we had a giant satellite in our yard. I would flick through like the random channels and we would always get these like test feeds for stuff. Mm-hmm. And Xena was on a whole bunch. So <sighs> while I was like at home doing my homework, I'd have Xena on in the background and I. And it was absolutely... a superior show, superior yeah. show. It was great. Like the storytelling was great. The costumes were great. 
like the actresses were incredible. Like Zena didn't just like fight men, but she also fought other like badass ladies. Yeah. And and aligned herself with other uh, ladies as well. Some people are saying that like her and her sidekick Gabrielle like had they were more than friends. There was like a love interest type of thing there, and people were okay with it. Yeah. I mean, the people that loved the show, they like they were like, yes, please. People and I know accepted it at the yeah. time. Yeah, and it was great. And I could see that. Like you could tell they they went through a lot together. No one questioned it. Yeah. No one really yeah. did. It was one of those things where you had a mainstream lesbian mm-hmm. relationship being rendered, and mm-hmm. people just accepted it. And there was no, I, I mean, I don't remember it because I was too young, but like in terms of fandom going on the internet, there was no attacks. There was nothing. It was just like, yeah, Xena and Gabrielle. In the comics, they made it canon. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't did. either. I recently like happened to watch like a, a Xena like, thing on YouTube and they were talking about like, yeah, it's, you know, the comics, we just decided to make it canon because like, that's, that's what the people wanted. It's what the fans wanted. Yeah. And I, I love that. Like, oh, so good. Yeah. She's a badass lady. We badass love- sidekick. Colal Zena. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was wondering like how many of these you would know because you're just. I have so heard of Zena. I have baby. heard of it. Like, but you know, you're younger. Different generations. Yeah. Like, have different like badass ladies to pull from and that's what's been so great about doing this list and talking about it today is that Mm -hmm. there are badass ladies every every day every generation and it's such a it's so fun to see what resonates with a person Mm -hmm. and definitely xena i can't believe i'd have xena lucy lawless and then when when her daughter eve lydia came on oh i always say this too with jeff i'm like I'm Lydia. <laughs> I liked, I, I mean, I love that whole subplot, but Colal, number right. four for you. Number four. She is very smart. Smart as hell. Mm-hmm. She got perfect grades and she saved the world. Mm-hmm. She's a very dependable friend. She is Hermione Granger. Oh, oh, snaps. Hermione. I love Hermione. She is my favorite character within the Harry Potter books Mm -hmm. and that entire universe. I mean, I appreciate her so much. I mean, she is so smart. I mean, like, she took so many, like, in the third book of Prisoner of Azkaban, I mean, she took so many courses that she literally went back in time to take more courses. I mean, that's awesome. (laughs) And like, what, she just wants to learn. And like, and she's so like, she was the true hero in Harry Potter. I can almost see that in the universe. It's called like, like it's a terrible word to say, but like she was a mudblood. Like she came from mm-hmm. just like a human family and stuff. Yeah. Yet she was still like one of the strongest and most uh, skillful wizards among everyone else. And she could... Uh, take anyone on and she could be there for you and she cared for like her friends I mean she I mean Harry and Ron would go to her for help and everything and she was the one who basically helped Harry through like the Goblet of Fire uh, when he was part of that tournament and stuff she helped him through a lot of that and even I, I just love her she's great Emma Watson played her so well yes yeah. 
Yes, she did a great job. And yeah, she helped really bring that character to life and stuff. And I, yeah, she did a great job. You know, she almost didn't come back to play Hermione in like, like Half Blood Prince or something like that. Or Why? Order of the, I don't know. I don't know. I never got the full story of that, but I think I read she was a uh, almost did not come back, which I feel like totally would have ruined that. Oh, it would have ruined everything. Did she like want to go to school or something? Maybe like that, that, or like being part of a franchise was being too much, or like you know, like when you're known for just being one character, you get kind of annoyed with it. You know, she didn't want to get pigeonholed into being just Hermione. She wanted to show people that she was more than just her character. Yeah, and that totally makes sense too. With an uh, with when you want to be an actor or an actress and stuff. I mean, like Mark Hamill is just no one but Luke Skywalker to a lot of people, or yeah. Harrison Ford with Han He's Solo. He's also the Joker too. Yeah, Joker. that too. Well, you know, I think being pigeonholed or stereotyped as like a certain character back in the day was viewed as something really bad. And I can see Emma Watson being a byproduct of that thought, but now you pray as an actor that you will land a role like that because you see the longevity and the cultural impact mm-hmm. that has on someone. So yeah. And then I remember, they end up on your best female character list. <laughs> right there yeah. on the masters of comic books. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's all led to this. <laughs> Congratulations, Emma Watson. It was her goal from the very, from the very beginning. You are forever immortalized now. (laughs) Yeah, and again, Harry Potter. I mean, that was a cultural movement. It was a shift. I remember Mm -hmm. when the Harry Potter books came out. I remember this guy in Walden Books at the local (laughs) mall saying, whatever gets people to read and actually got a lot of people to read. And, you know, it's so funny. I During my MFA, you know, (laughs) studies, we mentioned that in one of my classes that like Harry Potter really brought the YA genre mm-hmm. to the forefront. And a lot of people got angry at that because they were reading so many, you know, YA, you know, supernatural sci-fi books before that. And I had friends who did, but Harry Potter did make it mainstream. Mm-hmm. And everyone was reading the Harry Potter books. Even people who did not traditionally like to read, yeah. read the Harry Potter books. Yes, yeah, me. I didn't start. Yeah. I, I hated reading when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, which is funny because I read all the time now, but yeah. I did not like reading whatsoever. But when I started reading Harry Potter, like I read that thing like religiously. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, everybody read it too, not just kids. It was yeah. like the, the parents bought it for the kids and then they're like, what is this? And I remember they specifically made like printings of the book with like toned down covers so that adults would be more, um, what's the word? Like, interested or obliged to yeah like they wouldn't think oh this is just some silly kid yeah this is a kid yeah this is for kids like my kids are into this but by just switching the cover up a little they're like oh Oh. okay when is this magical like who's this harry who's this harry Harry? and what's up with this what's going on with this stone (laughs) (laughs) all right paul all right what is your what's your number four my number four owned Tuesday nights on the WB. Christy Swanson bore the role, but it was Sarah Michelle Geller who made it a household name. MG. Buffy Summers. I'm sorry, Buffy <gasps> Ann Summers. And I think why she gets the spot on, on my list is because Buffy was symbolic of the horrors in high school. And 
I know Joss Whedon is problematic, but there were so many other writers on that show, like Marty Noxon, Jane Espenson, uh, David Greenwald, and Drew Goddard. And a lot of people contributed to who the character of Buffy was, but most importantly, it was Sarah Michelle Gellar's acting abilities. And Sarah Michelle Gellar said on her Instagram that she never wants to be associated with the name Joss Whedon, but she will forever want to be associated with Buffy because so much of her is in Buffy. So, you know, even when Joss Whedon wrote her with Christy Swanson, that movie, it tanked. It was, it was so many other people, and again, the forefront being Sarah Michelle Gellar, who made Buffy who she is. And I just loved her. She showed that you can kick butt, be the strongest person in the room and still have frosted makeup on and was just so cool. So quick witted, so funny. Buffy could have been like such a dumb character, but Sarah Michelle Gellar just brought that wit to her. Even when she couldn't like pronounce the demon's names, the way she would say it like, okay, well this, demon (laughs) but like the way that like but like sarah delivered that was just like listen it's a complicated name just tell me where i can go beat him up it was just so cute and so personal so buffy i almost put buffy on my list well you kind of you look like buffy today with the high pony with the high pony yeah because i got up late and i was like "Mm, (laughs) high pony high pony but like the first movie though the one with christy swanson and yeah there was who's the actor was it oh, the guy from 90210 luke perry oh, luke perry, luke perry. Luke perry. Yeah, i remember i mean i was young when it came out i think maybe i watched it with my sister my older mm-hmm. sister um, but i remember seeing it i'm like oh i like this and then i came into the buffy series when very late i think when faith was introduced. Oh yeah, season three. Liza Dushku. Liza Dunsku or Dushku. I I was yeah. I pronounce it wrong, so I'll, I will take your <laughs> okay. word. Okay, but actually, my my middle brother Mikey, he watched that show with me because he thought the girls were so hot. He's like, <laughs> oh my gosh, she's like that Faith one. She's really cute. So yeah. him, and I, him and I would watch Buffy together, and like that. it had you know it had something for guys too, like you know beautiful girls kicking butt killing vampires and yeah and i just always thought it was just matter of fact she was the strongest in universe the slayer is this deep heritage of all these Mm -hmm. women from across the world who have this profound call of duty and bond and at the end of the series buffy shares that power with other women and it's multiple slayers at the end it was just so beautiful people again much like xena People accepted it. It was there was no pushback that Buffy was the strongest in the room. You're like that. That's Buffy. That's the Slayer. That's it. Yeah. And she defied yeah. all stereotypes. And again, I hate saying this name, but Whedon said the creation of Buffy was in reaction to those beautiful blonde girls who in, in the alleyways who get murdered. They wanted he wanted to give the night back to those girls and make them powerful and strong. So mm-hmm. again, he was very problematic. But I think that ideology that so many of us wanted to see those girls in the alleyway, not just die and be forgotten, but also be empowered and and kick some butt. And I think Marty Noxon and Jane Espenson, I always get her name wrong, but she went on to write Battlestar Galactica as well. I think she can just write so well. And yeah, so there. Beachy. Buffy. Also with Buffy. Sorry. No, 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 go. I was going to say also with Buffy, um, the character of Willow was also um and big lgbt character during her time like people 
didn't really like say anything when she came out as liking girls. So yeah. And it's accepted. Yeah. It was, yeah. Kind of like on Xena. They're like, yeah. Yeah. Although I think the only pushback that we got with Willow coming to terms with her identity was that people loved Seth Green's Oz so much oh yeah but that was only it because people preferred willow and oz together not that they were like oh no blah 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 she can't be a lesbian or anything yeah it It wasn't about how she identified yeah it wasn't about her identity it was the ship it was the ship itself (laughs) (laughs) and i just loved it and it was such a great i i just had such a great time watching buffy and it was such a cultural movement so i love buffy too that was a great pick Mm. these are all really good those are so good all right, Michelle, what is number three for you? So my top three, it was like really hard for me to put these ladies in order. But number three has a twin brother. Oh. Was bestowed some amazing powers. <laughs> um, I'm looking for the sword. So... Mine, yeah. my third lady is none other than Shira, Princess of Power. Hell yeah, honor of Grayskull. <laughs> Look, I, 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 I love Shira so much. I, oh, I'm right here with you. I know. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't even know where to begin. Like, like I'm seized here. Yeah. I, I love the original Shira, and I love the reboot series. I, I love, love the reboot. I haven't had a chance to watch any older stuff, but man, that reboot means so much to me though. Like I hold it dear to my heart. I only have one caveat with the reboot. Okay. So Frosta is my favorite character. And I feel like in the reboot, I just didn't like what they did with her. I I was not a fan. I'm like, why is she like a baby? Mm. No, and I'm like, I was looking for because I'm gonna cosplay the new Frosta, like it's gonna be great. And then she came out, and I'm like, oh, she's like 12. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, she's like, she's a great character. I like her background story. I mean, Shira is the star of the show. I mean, obviously, she's my like favorite favorite. But for side characters, I was totally um, into Frosta. Well, you know, I, I think what made the original Shira so great was all these characters and this rich background. And Colel, you and I went into it when we did our Masters of the Universe uh, oh, Revelations review. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm curious, Colel, tell us, you watched the reboot without seeing the original. What Tell us, why does the reboot mean so much to you? I mean, I guess I watched it during a time when I was going through a lot and that just like really picked me up and stuff. And so... I guess I just love the representation of the characters and how open it was. It was such a sweet series to me, I think. And I knew, all I knew was He-Man and I have the power. And that's all I knew, to be honest with you. And so to go into this show with only knowing He-Man, this was, I thought, a great way to get into that universe with She-Ra and everything. And I just fell in love with all the characters and stuff, like, so quickly. And it was just, and it was sweet and wonderful. And I loved it. The original Shira, I love. I want it to be the original Shira. She was mine. You know, there was mm-hmm. He-Man, which was great. And that's kind of like what got me started in Masters of the Universe. And I love He-Man. But when I saw Shira, when she's here, like in that intro, fabulous secrets were revealed to me the day I held aloft my sword and said, 
for the honor of Grayskull. <laughs> <laughs> we have to put this on uh, on YouTube. Does that clip alone with me voicing <laughs> and Michelle doing it? But I did the pose at uh, San Diego during in the photo op. I did it like I held it. I like they had a sword, so I did it exactly like Shira. And then they totally like. I God, you would be. Have you done Shira before, Michelle? So Shira's on my list. Frost is also on my list, though. Like I like the Frost too. I like the B characters a lot. I mean, I love I love the main base. Like. Mm I totally want to do a Shira cosplay. You would rock as Shira and Easy. as Frosta. Yes. Yeah. I think you can do both. <laughs> like, okay. At the same I'll, time. I'll just I'll just call my mom back and say, <laughs> hey mom. So I have a few more costumes to add to the list. <laughs> I so what I love also about the original Shira cast was the only a few others know my secret. Among them, uh, Madam Raz, Light Hope, and Cal. I'm like, the three people you should not tell. Like, you know, <laughs> Madam Raz, although in the reboot, I think was a wonderful character, but the OG Madam Raz, I don't know how you would say it in English. She's, but she was Chismosa. She's you can a say, hot mess. She's a hot mess. She's like <laughs> yeah. a really crazy aunt who just shows up and tells you all the family secrets. Um, I'm like, <laughs> oh. I'm like, no, even when I was a little kid, I was like, should Shira have told Madame Ross things? I mean, I guess it worked uh, out, you know. And nobody knows Light Hope. Like, yeah. I'm still or, confused of Light Hope. Yeah, Light Hope's like chilling up in the castle, like yeah. by themselves. <laughs> so yeah, they're not gonna tell anybody no Shira. But the rebooted, <laughs> the rebooted one I thought was so great. I love Mara. I love that history. It almost had a Buffy-ish vibe that there had been different yeah. Shiras. And mm-hmm. that this is a, you know, generational title that's passed off from one woman to another. And it was so beautiful. And Mara was a woman of color, I think looked beautiful. I remember seeing fan art of Shira as a woman of color and thought, uh, yeah, that is gorgeous. <laughs> that, that is yes. that is what I want to see. So I'm glad that we got that in Mara as well. But the rebooted series, I have nothing to say other than I, I like the character models and I like the rendering of very realistic bodies. Mm-hmm. I just don't like that very flat animation. Like I wish we could have gotten those character designs mm-hmm. in what was something we saw in Masters of Revelations. But um, very different show, very different, you know. I feel like it had more magical girl vibes. Yeah. Like, I definitely, in the intro, I was like, okay, Sailor Moon. Oh, Sailor she Sailor Shira. I sing that <laughs> intro all the time. Like I work out to that song. <laughs> I do too. Be quiet. I it's do too. Great. We're warriors. Oh. Unstoppable. Yeah. <laughs> I can't sing. <laughs> On the edge of glory. Wait, wait, is that a On the edge of greatness. Uh, oh god. Yeah. <laughs> On the edge of glory. <laughs> <laughs> we can do a remix. We can let's mash it. Oh my god, let's mash that up. <laughs> I really like what they did with shadow weaver's character oh yeah because she was just she was just like a you know run-of-the-mill villain in the the original and then in the second one they gave her more of a backstory and more of a re like reasons why she did what she did and how she she switched sides and then ultimately switched back yeah, because her I thought her redemption arc like near the end was really good. Well, I her relationship with Katra, it's very complicated. Ooh. Yes. 
it's very and the horde all of that you mm-hmm. see that perspective and you there's so much that happens in the series and the world building and the mythology behind it they really respected the 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 masters of the universe mm-hmm. continuity that had been established all that world building and I, I really appreciate that. So I think Adora in the reboot, and I think Adora in the 80s was just wonderful, Ashira. And I'm very mm-hmm. glad that we have her. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Her. Number three for you. All right. Number three. This woman, she does not have powers either. She is a fierce and independent kick-ass journalist. I got a lot of inspiration from my mom from this one. Because I, I see my mom in her, and it's Lois Lane. Woo! Okay, that's what I was thinking, but I wasn't sure. I was like, <laughs> especially from the show going on Superman and Lois, like that's where the I draw. CW about- one. Yeah, I love her so much. Ever since she appeared, I'm forgetting which. It wasn't the Infinite Crisis crossover. It's the one before, right, where she first appeared. Oh my god. I just think, well, first of all, they casted her so well, but like they just know understand how to write that character. She's not like she's so like she doesn't have powers, but she's willing to fight for her family. She's willing to do anything for the one she loves. Like she is like she's a strong character. And even in the comics lately, I think she's been written really well by Philip Kennedy Johnson. Like there's this one part at the end of one of the latest issues of action comics, she runs into the danger and shoots one of the bad guys and saying like, we protect our family or whatever. I'm like, fuck yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And then uh, I just finished reading uh, the Superman omnibus by uh, Peter J. Tomasi and Patrick Gleason. And in the first arc, she puts on Batman's Hellbat suit for Batman when uh, he goes to the apocalypse and stuff. And she kicks Eradicator's ass. It's, freaking cool and i i love lois lane so much she's like one of my favorite uh characters within the dc universe easily lois i think was such a great character and she did the a lot of legwork because she started off her comic book was called superman's girlfriend lois lane yeah Mm -hmm. fuck that so she (laughs) had to she had to start off as being a stereotype because i think at least with Sue Storm and Jean Grey, for example, maybe they had a little bit more of, of running running ahead because they were superheroes with yeah. powers. Mm-hmm. But Lois was kind of dismissed as just like, oh, it's Superman's girlfriend. That's it. You know, you have to, she's, she's always being kidnapped, everything. And she had to evolve. And she is where she's at today because that character did so much groundwork. And she's just, and she puts in like a lot of that hard work like into like her own like work into like the daily planet and she like reveal she goes for the truth and does the right thing instead of um just i guess doing the wrong thing (laughs) even in the um i think the cinder cut or is it snyder 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 sorry i'm i'm not a dc expert but just i watched that extended cut and they alluded to the future or like a dystopian era where Superman loses Lois. And because of that, like she was, she was such an integral part of his life. Like it just, it drove him to basically like work for the bad guys. Like he had nothing else. 
he had nothing else to fight for or live for. So he's like, you know what? Fuck it. I think Lois mm-hmm. in those movies, there was one, is it, which one was it in those movies? But someone like they captured like the daily planet and they shrunk it. And it may have been Brainiac and Brainiac goes up to like the daily planet that he's holding in the palm of his hands. And he goes, you are all so insignificant. Humans are beneath everything. And Lois is right there and goes like this to him. (laughs) Yeah. That's it. She just gives a finger. Most Lane, she's a badass. All right. Okay. What is your number three? My number three is a character who was in the 60s Batman show. And she had a major turning point in the 80s and is still an iconic character today. It is Barbara Gordon. Yes. But it is Barbara Gordon as Oracle. Yes, 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 yes. Oracle. Because what, what I love about her as Oracle is that it showed that being differently abled did not in any way, shape, or form inhibit you from being a superhero. And that she was perfectly happy with her body and that she was able to still kick ass and be a hero on another level. I just, I love her as Oracle. That's when I started reading comics. She was Oracle. She was a data broker. She was incredible. But I also want to acknowledge her past as Batgirl because I loved her as Batgirl. And I loved Yvonne Craig as Batgirl so much and obviously in titans we have her on there as well mm-hmm. yeah wow yeah, i like that they brought her onto titans too because and then they kind of they gave her like a little bit of a different backstory yeah too. so that titans is just a great show in general like, oh yeah, yeah. Like, um barbara gordon is like so wonderful and she's someone who is, the actress is someone who's differently abled mm-hmm. okay and that's awesome yeah, yeah, and and she's Barbara Gordon. You're, you're you're looking at her like, yeah, this is. There's no one else who can play Barbara Gordon here. But also like Barbara Gordon in the animated show, I thought was the classic like animated series and was so good. I love the Scarecrow episode, and you know I think she did. I think she had really good like presence in other mediums. I know this is so contentious to say, but I was a huge Clueless fan. I loved Alicia Silverstone as, as as Barbara. I know, I know not everyone feels that way. I know the Joel Schumacher films kind of get ragged on. <laughs> I love Batman and Robin so much. Uma Thurman um, in it as well. But I I really think it was a character who who has been at the forefront of pop culture. And that's why I loved that transition to Oracle because stuff does happen that makes one differently able. And she didn't sit down and there was no self-pity. There was none of that. She was like, I'm stronger than all you motherfuckers. And not only that, here's, let me show you your receipts. Literally, I hacked your bank account. Here are your receipts. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, that's what I loved about her as Oracle. And I think when they shifted her back into, you know, like when they did the new 52 and she was back at being like a teen, I was like, like that feels more like Stephanie Brown to me. And I love Stephanie Brown mm-hmm. um, as either spoiler or Batgirl. But, you know, Cassandra Kane, I think, would have been the great mantle to, to take on Batgirl or whatever she wants to be. So it has to be Oracle for me. That's where I think she was most iconic. And that's where I'll give her my number three spot. They kind of, in the comics right now, they kind of, she went kind of back to that role of Oracle recently. Oh, did she? I didn't know that. Yeah, 
because um she was Batgirl for a while and then after like the like because DC just started like this new thing called Infinite Frontier like this is like their new era now and so now Barbara is now Oracle so she's been helping out Batman and Nightwing in their own series as Oracle which has been really great and and I think she's even said if they need Batgirl I would be Batgirl but right now I'm in the forefront of being Oracle right now which I really like too where there's an option for her of like she'll decide on which she wants to do that is so well said I love that all right this is it this is where it's gonna get really this was where it was tough for me I'm just gonna say I had to knock off a few people who I do love off my list but we're gonna hit number two and this is where we dim the lights this like who wants to be lines. like who wants to be who wants to be millionaires like <laughs> <laughs> well okay so the top two for me were I, I went back and forth a little bit um but so my number two lady has had multiple costume changes is part of a love triangle has been resurrected quite a few times <laughs> um, it's Paul's favorite redhead <laughs> Miss, Miss Jean Grey <laughs> I'm getting so excited here hearing your top twos guys or your top list excuse me like both he, of you are you're gonna like, jump out of your computer like you're gonna jump off my screen man like I've never seen you jump up and down <laughs> Well, I wasn't sure if Paul was going to, like, put her on the list. Like, I feel like she would be, like, your number one, maybe. Because she's well, your god queen. Let's, let's I mean, see. I mean, we continued. don't know yet. We don't know. <laughs> to yeah. be continued. TBD. <laughs> well, I think a shout-out needs to be done to you, Michelle, because your cosplay of Jean slash Phoenix slash Dark Phoenix is absolutely incredible. Like, I don't know anyone who doesn't know your gene cosplay like you're so iconic as her thank you that means that means a lot because there's there's a lot of stellar gene gray cosplayers out there um i was definitely inspired by a few of them and i just i just wanted to do like my like the gene gray that i grew up with the one that i uh, identified with and that was the 90s one like Shoulder pads and and everything. Oh, right there. <laughs> not only not only are you the Jean Grey you grew up with, you're with the director of the animated <laughs> series himself, Larry Houston. That's oh. what we call a mic drop. <laughs> Literally, yeah. Oh, I love Larry. He was he was so nice. Um, we got to see him for a little bit yesterday. He had a long line, so I didn't want to take up too much of his time because there were a lot of people there to see him. Oh, yeah. I did dress up because it was X-Men Day at that particular comic book store because Larry was there. So they're like, yeah, if you dress up as 90s X-Men, you get like an extra 10% off or something. And I'm like, well, I got 90s Jean. Yeah. <laughs> I got Bay. You're like, for 10% off, I will, I, will, <laughs> I will cosplay for that. And you also walked away with the huge blow up of um of Jean and Emma, the Daughterman cover from Giant oh, Size X-Men. Yeah, I saw that. I am jealous. So jealous. You know what? He posts. So it was from Kim Zara Collectibles in uh, Santa Clarita. And he posted on his Instagram. And I'm like, hey, let me buy that. I'll be by the store sometime to pick it up. Like, 
this was a few months ago and I totally forgot. And then when I got there, he's like, oh, don't forget your poster. <laughs> and then Justin was like, what poster? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, where are you going to put that? I'm like, the guest room, obviously. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, above our bed, above yeah. our marital bed. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've been Jean and you've been Emma, so. It's perfect. And I, you know, it's perfect. I, I put it out there. I was like, you know, future fur kid names, like, because we like to get them in pairs. I'm like, yeah. you know. Maybe we can get like a Jean Grey and Emma Frost. And he was just like. Can you imagine if they didn't get along? In the- <laughs> I know. I know. Well, listen, Michelle, I'm not going to argue at all with our God Queen being number two. I think our God <laughs> Queen as White Phoenix is everything I love about her, love about mm-hmm. comics. I love that she can transcend the mortal coil and be literally a cosmic force that pushes her ex-husband to be with the woman he had an affair with and sets the universe right. I mean, we have modern comics and Krakoa because Jean Grey could rise above everything and save the universe. That's it. Yeah. I mean, she was like, yeah, she was the first, she was the only female on the X-Men team, you know, and she... She evolved from like your stereotypical, like, oh, I'm the girl on the team, like I'm the damsel. And then she continuously evolved and grew stronger and was the only person capable of harboring the Phoenix force. Like she was yeah. the strong, she was the only one strong enough, um, despite this current run that Marvel's doing about fighting for the force or whatever. I like fighting for the force. Yeah, I was like, I know it's like a tournament. I didn't pay too much attention to it. I was excited, and then I was. Don't worry, no one did. No one did. Like Jean Grey is Phoenix. Like what? Or Rachel? Like yeah, those are really only the. And I only accepted Hope as Phoenix because we all thought she was a shard of Jean, one of Jean's missing pieces. Yes. But the second they that was clear it wasn't, and they went into the whole Iron Fist thing, history, and I was like, oh no, thank you, next. <laughs> nope. And Lots then the side. Phoenix Five. Yeah, I was like <laughs> Phoenix Five. Eh. Although I don't mind the Phoenix Five as a byproduct of the plot. Like I get mm-hmm. it. You wanted to throw a curveball there, and like, okay, fine. Yeah. But like now they've just made now they've just been greedy with making other characters yes. like Howard the Duck was a phoenix you get a phoenix force and you get a phoenix force <laughs> <laughs> everyone gets a phoenix force <laughs> sorry well, I think Emma could be a good host for the phoenix force too like if Jean was not around yeah the phoenix force was like okay well I'm gonna take the next badass telepath like which is Emma like her, her frenemy and I didn't mind it. And here's the thing when they did it in Ensong, where, mm-hmm. you know, the Phoenix wanted to come back to Earth because we, it is established Phoenix and Gene are one and the same. And the Phoenix through Gene was feeling this need to come back to Earth and bond and want Cyclops. And that's where Emma offers herself as a host. But Emma says something very beautiful in it. She goes, I'm not even a host. I'm just a shell. It's going to burn me out. I love that perspective. And it separates Jean and Emma. You know what I mean? But in the what if astonishing X-Men, she does get the Phoenix. And, you know, a deep 
Phoenix Jean has to fight a Phoenix Emma. And Jean is badass. And she goes, Emma, darling, I perfected the costume change while you were still running around in lingerie. And they go at it. It's such a great issue. So I agree. I love seeing that dichotomy, you know, sort of play out. And we do know that um, Emma kept a fraction of the Phoenix after AVX in the Jean Grey series. She hid it in the memory where her and Cyclops were having that affair in murder at the mansion and Jean walked in. So, you know, I, listen, I'm all for it. I'm all for all of this. I, I can babble <laughs> on about Jean and Emma and Phoenix. Cole out your thoughts, Cole out on our God queen, Jean Grey, and they better all be positive. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, Cole's like, uh, no. I leave Zoom. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I do love Jean. I do. Sorry, you basically just said everything. <laughs> I mean, I'm you just sorry. went. No, you're fine. I love it when you uh talk about Jean. I mean, we could just easily turn this into a Jean Grey episode. <laughs> Jean Grey and Gem. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So my number two. She debuted in 2014. Mm. she's a big fangirl nerd she loves like Dungeons and Dragons World of Warcraft does fun fan fiction and it's Miss Marvel Kamala Khan yes. oh my gosh I thought you were going there and then I was like wait am I thinking of somebody else I don't know. I she's a big love- fangirl <laughs> yeah I mean, she's, a, I mean, she loves like the Avengers. I mean, like, I think of the first, I actually have collection because I think of the first issue, she, it like starts out with, um, maybe it's not, yeah, because uh, it has, talks to, like, it's her fan fiction with like Avengers fighting like a weird Aww. monster or whatever. But yes, I love her so much. I, I, she was one of the first new characters I got into last year when I got really into comics. And I was, I just love her so much because she's so relatable. And I think what's so amazing about it, she's not, she was created in a post 9-11 world that we live in and you never really saw, Mm -hmm. and it truly represented, I think, Muslims and who they really are. Because I felt like we're kind of in a world where they, where Muslims get a lot of bad rep and bad news thrown at them. I mean, I did a paper sort, I, I did a paper, not necessarily on that, but it related to that fact. And in the journal I had to read for that paper, it just, all the false rep- representation of them. And it, it angered me. And like right here, G. Willow Wilson and I'm forgetting the other creator's name of who created Kamala Khan, they gave us such a sweet and relatable character that wasn't just your traditional white character. We could relate with her and we with relating we even got to learn history and culture from miss marvel and i just think she's a wonderful character and it's i i it's weird to say but like i almost saw like me in her kind of i mean she's just like a fangirl of the all these superheroes that and she loves and she has a deep care for these characters and stuff and they mean something to her and now she's they're representing being that hero for us, which I absolutely love. And she's kind of like that template for the fan, you know, 
characters that come later on, like Scout, like she started that huge like movement of having superheroes, you know, these, these new superheroes coming out that were fans of the original ones, just like in a very realistic way. So I agree. I thought the series was great. I haven't read the series in a while. I thought it was so well done. I always think of Alex from Modern Family when she goes off to college, she has a Kamala poster <laughs> behind, you know, her in, in her dorm. But I, I couldn't agree more with what you said. I think you said it so well about post 9-11, the perception on Muslims and anyone who was like just people would just pigeonhole into the stereotype and scream horrible things. And we have friends who are Muslims and the things they had to endure post 9-11. I'm so glad Kamala is out there. And it's horrifying that to even say this now, but in 2014, it was contentious. People were like talking about this as like, Oh, Miss Marvel is now Muslim. And it's like, what the fuck? Like, so I'm just so glad that she's out here in the world and people just love her and that we can push past those problematic conversations. She has just like a wonderful family and we learn about her religion as well and how like even sometimes she struggles with it too. And yeah, it's just such a great representation of that culture and her character. And I just love it. I think she was a great character to introduce like new fans as well to- the whole the whole universe kind of like the the 90s jubilee like learning about the x-men kamala was new readers entryway into learning about the avengers universe mm. and she gave everybody like a fresh perspective yeah and i liked that she wasn't like doted as a like captain marvel sidekick like she had the name but her powers and her origin were totally different. And I, well, liked, and I liked that. Yeah. And like, she like took up the mantle instead of being a sidekick. Like she was like, I miss Marvel mm-hmm. and I'm awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that with Kamala, first of all, I'd love that all the characters are true to themselves in the MCU. I, I just love, I mean, like, I love that origin story for her actually because it was at a time when the Terrigan Mist was circling the the globe and she discovers she's an inhuman after being a fan fangirl I loved it that's a beautiful scene when she comes out of the cocoon and everything and her hallucinations yeah I hope she's we in do get... this Marvel suit too because yeah. Captain and Marvel meant so much symbolically yeah symbolically it shows her rising above that ideal image of what a super heroine should be and she can yeah. be herself I love it I couldn't agree more and I love her costume so, Oh, I know. Such a beautiful. I mean, oh, that costume is like it's iconic, and it and it pays homage to the original Carol Danvers Miss Marvel with the mm-hmm. with the scarf. Yeah, but I hope in the MCU when we get that Disney Plus show, I, here's something really contentious. I'm going to say I I will be okay if she's an Inhuman because I do love the origin. But sorry, I said I would be okay with Inhuman. <laughs> it's just it's like this bitter weird taste in my mouth. <laughs> oh my. All right. Let's get to number two for Paul before he kills over and dies from saying inhuman again. Yeah. From- <laughs> well, look, number two is an X-Man. Hmm. Iconic X-Man on the team. Has occasionally, maybe, been with Wolverine. My number two is Storm. Oh, oh. I knew you were going to say Storm. Storm. Listen, so our God Queen. Freaking initially soul. had 
had number two on my list, but I, I just, I had to separate my undying love for Gene and which character I thought like sparked something for me for the X-Men. And, you know, I, I do credit Rogue as my sort of my gateway drug. You know, she was my first puff. Because everybody's gateway drug. Yeah, like, <laughs> everyone went down and saw her in Missouri and she was here like, hey, sugar. Or she, is she from Mississippi? I forget where she's at from originally. She's like, hey, sugar, here's some sugar for you. And you're like, ah, perfect. But <laughs> Storm, but once I once I saw Storm, that action figure of her in the black costume with the light up chest, I was like, who is that? I, I chased after her. The animated series, the comic book, Storm just had so much presence. And I say this now, I didn't even know because I, I came from such a privileged perspective. I didn't even understand that this was a woman of color who was iconic, who had just everyone know, knew her name. Everyone still knows her name. That is who we are dying to see in the MCU first. We are dying to see Storm and we want to see her done right. So Storm gets number two for me. Well, that I can't disagree. She's she's incredible. She had all the best lines in the animated series. I mean, maybe Beast had like a few, but like Storm, the way she delivered it, she's like, I'm gonna punish y'all, but I'm gonna say it's so like poetically beautiful. <laughs> and the the enemies are gonna be confused, like, what is she talking about? And then the next thing you know, like they're out. Yeah. Out. Ever. I will meet you at the monorail. Yes. <laughs> You're like, girl, girl calm like, down. Like so <laughs> passionately. <laughs> yes, we will see you. Or during the Phoenix saga, he's is, Xavier's like, Storm, how's everything? She goes, Professor, it is like the earth has gone insane. See? You're like, so girl, much, we get she's it. She's like Shakespearean, like in the way she delivers her lines. Like, just, I love Storm so much. Best outfit. Best off-duty outfits for sure. Go to Storm. Oh, oh off-duty outfits. Mm -hmm. She's incredible. The thing about Storm, and I keep thinking about like when you're casting the perfect actress for her, Storm off-duty needs to look as regal as she is in her costume because it's just baked into the character that she is just so, like she has a presence. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah, and whether she's wearing... Yeah, she is a goddess. And whether, you know, she's wearing her like Sunday best, she's still going to like kill it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I, I can't even think of that many people out there. I think Anna Diop, I don't know how to say her last name, who plays Starfire in Titans. She is probably one of the few people I'm like, yeah, that is Storm. Like just the the, the presence. Mm -hmm. And again, and yeah. it's not even just your everyday. You have to find someone with great acting abilities. Uh camera presence and mm -hmm. also that goddess presence yeah. so i can't wait i try i trust whoever uh is spearheading the storm initiative over at the mcu kevin feige <laughs> i trust that they're gonna do her right not that holly berry was wrong at all i understand holly berry yeah. but i think i think we can all agree she was a bit wayward in the movies i don't think they wrote her character well in yeah like i mean they they did a little bit, but she was so much more to the team than, yeah. than what they showed. There was a there was a lot to show, and uh, I think they could have just highlighted Storm a little bit more. 
Well, I don't understand why Storm doesn't get an A plot in, oh. in, in the movies or sometimes even in the comics. I know we have her now as Regent Soul, which I love so yeah. much. Yeah. Hell yeah, she's the queen of our solar system. But like in the <laughs> movies, I certainly say in that. I know. Can Not you imagine? Only like, is she mistress of the elements? <laughs> <laughs> she is also mistress of the solar system. Um, I I I don't understand why I couldn't find that a plot that gene that Wolverine, although we can argue that gene because i'm a crazy gene fan just because i'm giving storm my number two does not mean i'm not a crazy gene stan um i don't understand why she in the prequels was a background character when alexandra ship is a wonderful actress wonderful teen version of storm but give her an a plot i don't know you know what i mean like it, it baffles me and it baffles me that storm hasn't had many a plots with the x-men for a while until now with regent soul mm-hmm. they just it really it baffles me you know but um i think storm deserves a lot more for everything she has done and brought to the table uh, not only for female superheroes but for women of color and for x-men fans i mean she hits she has put x-men on the map because she has the coolest powers ever she is the leader of gold team too right oh yeah you know oh, like she team. yeah she battled cyclops and She's like, you know, I feel so bad. You can like blue team. <laughs> you can do the blue team thing. And but and she was depowered at the time of that no, fight. She I was know. depowered. She was. That's how freaking amazing That's she awesome is. She is. And she oh, and she's very human. She suffers from claustrophobia. Yes. Yes. Oh yeah, that's right. She's a very human character for as regal and for she she's not afraid to be human. Mm-hmm. And the character has those levels of depth to her. And I think yeah. she not only is a great role model, but she's also someone you can empathize with. That's Queens. That's Queens. <laughs> Didn't have said it better okay. myself. Okay. Here we go. Honorable mentions before we get to number one. First up is basically the entire team of X-Men ladies. Because, I mean, I love Jean, but every single one of those girls, like, or ladies, I'm sorry, every single one of those ladies, like, brings something to the table. It, it was really hard to pick. I also wanted to choose Storm. I So I have the exact same. I actually have Jean Grey and the X-Ladies <laughs> <laughs> on my list. Jean Grey and the X-Ladies. I agree. Here's the thing. The shout out has to go to all the X-Ladies because yeah. there could be a top X-Ladies list in of themselves and all of them could be number one. Yeah. Rogue, Betsy, Absolutely. you know, Ed Scout, Laura, Magic, everyone, Danny, Moonstar. Like oh, there's yeah. so many characters there. It's just impossible. I think X-Ladies in general. That's why when we get to my number one, I'm just like, it never felt that cultural impact because we had the X ladies and all of them were able to show great representation. So mm-hmm. agreed, except again, Jean Grey and the X. <laughs> <laughs> and for everything, every reason why we talked about Jean for your number two, Michelle. I also put Chitara on my list. Oh, <gasps> yes. I was a big fan of Thundercats and my husband's a big fan of Thundercats and we're um, we're currently watching the like the reboot that happened a while ago mm-hmm. and it's just reminding me about how badass Chitara is mm-hmm. like she is one of the strongest characters on that show like yeah there's Lionel or whatever who has his destiny 
but he's really just like a boy in a man's body and she's got to like teach him how to be like a ruler and a king and so she her backstory is like she was an orphan and she came to the palace and wanted to be part of um, part of something and they asked her they're like okay well what's your clan and she's like I have none like you know but I would like to like pledge myself to you like this cause and so she was very like selfless very um like seeing the big picture kind of thing and so she kind of becomes Lino's mentor and I think he has a crush on her but she likes his brother there's another like love triangle like <laughs> thing going on so you know I'm all about the romance uh, <laughs> and then also you know gotta shout out my girl Rainbow Bright <gasps> just just <laughs> yeah I mean I love Rainbow Bright so much she was not on my honorable mentions at all I know but... she feels like all like sunshine and rainbows but if you watch the first episode which I did a lot with me and my middle brother like we watched a lot of shows together and he still quotes that episode to this day like we watched it so many times um and it was just like this world of darkness and like uh, like horrors and everything and she's got to save this child to bring like light back into the world I'm getting goosebumps as you're talking right now. (laughs) It's a very good episode. Like if, if you only see like one rainbow bright episode, it should be the first one. And that's so, did they later release it on VHS as a movie? It's where she gets all the, um, I'm forgetting what she, the color kids, she assembles all of them. Right. Mm -hmm. And she's still just a human herself. Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't have her powers. Was her name Wisp or something like that? I'm forgetting. I think so. It was something like know. ethereal like that. Yeah, I think it, I don't know if it was her name or if it was the baby's name that she was saving. Oh, yes. I can't I remember. That. Oh, I know. I love I'm, I'm looking it up as we're talking. I, I <laughs> loved her. I loved her with uh, Twink. <laughs> which some of yeah, these... Twink. Twink. And then, she, and then uh, Starlight, she saved, like, so she saves everybody. Like she yeah. saved Starlight too before he's a rainbow horse and has powers. Like she instills like so much confidence in starlight too like he helps her on her journey yeah. every character that she saves um like saves her in return like they save each other and in the end they bring uh, the light to the world it's the symbolism was so beautiful for that show like the color kids too yeah, We're which awesome. by the way, that name would not fly in today's. <laughs> like, I know, I know what they meant by it today. That people would be like, "Are you sure you want to call them the color kids?" Yeah, like, no, no. But they were also very diverse as well. They yeah. weren't just like a bunch of you know, like white kids with like you know, red, orange, yeah. yellow, green hair or whatever. They all had their own like identity and ethnicity. Like you could see that. And I loved the movie, which was called Rainbow Bright and, and the, the Star Stealer. Stealer, there we go. Yeah. I can still pick. Wait, I want to see if I can Google really quickly, but I can, I can still picture that poster of her on the rainbow, and then like that, that like black mechanical horse flying I have by that her. Poster. Do you? Because it's a beautiful. I. There's another poster yeah. I love so much that I will talk about when we hit our number one. <laughs> But yeah, oh, here it is. Oh, it's gorgeous. It was cool. Did you, have you been exposed to Rainbow Bright? 
I have no idea what you guys are talking about. I'm just enjoying <laughs> okay, this so whole we're gonna make a list. <laughs> we're making a list of like must watch shows. Like just watch the first episode. I think okay. we should, you know what? I think we should do an episode like reaction to watching the first episode of Rainbow Bright, all three of us. Okay. Okay. And I what we think. I would love to revisit all of like the 80s shows. Like some of them I I only remember a little tiny bit of. Yeah. Or I just didn't get as into them. Then mm-hmm. other ones, like my my mom used to record all these shows for us. So I definitely watched the shit out of my Rainbow Bright tapes. I do have like two are kind of tied. I was gonna say like Chun Li and Cami from Street Fighter. I was that's on my list too. That's on my honorable mentions. Chun Li and Cami. Yes, one hundred percent. I mean, you had to. They were like, I was a girl who grew up with brothers, so we did a lot of like you know arcade type stuff or like video games. and I would get so stoked whenever we play a game and there was a female character that I could be. And we love Street Fighter. So I was always picking Chung Lee or Cammy because those were my girls. Like, oh, yeah. I, the ending to the original Street Fighter where she's at her, you know, this ending where she's like praying at her dad's grave. Like, so Chun Li's like entire mission is to avenge her father's death by M. Bison. So if you play with her, you, you achieve that, that mission. And so mm-hmm. she's at the grave praying. She goes, father, at long last, your death has been avenged. I can go on with my life. And then the next cut is her throwing her like costume in the air. And she's in like this halter top. And she goes, and I can go back to being a young single girl again. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, you know what, girl, you do you, you did your job. Now you want to go out and party, go for it. (laughs) And I loved her. And, and Cammy, when Cammy came on the scene, I loved her as well. I had some catfish in my in my florida home growing up and i named uh one of them cammy that's Aww. how much i loved her as well and my dia was so shady to me i was talking to her about cammy one day and my dia berta looked at me and she goes i ain't but why are you always obsessed with the girls but not in like the way that like oh you like this character like no you were just obsessed you want to be this character so you know what dear berta Bad stuff happened to you after that. So I'm sorry that happened to you. But you know what? Don't shade your gay little nephew is all I'm going to say. <laughs> I have one more. Go for she's, it. She's a little obscure. Okay. I guess. Well, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe you guys know. But I really loved. Um, oh, I still love uh, Saga. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so on, on Saga, Saga is basically like, I like to call it like Game of Thrones in space. Basically. That's exactly what it um, is. Yeah, so I I really love um, Alana. I think that she has like she has a great story and a great journey where she's she's a part of this rebellion that she doesn't really like know much about and is given this book that opens up her mind. Like that's what the book was supposed to do. It was like a romance novel, but it was written in a way that somebody reading it could see past like the trivial romantic part and see that it's more about um, preaching like peace and love among like different species because she's part of this army that's fighting against um, the moon I think or I think yeah so she's on the planet and there's a moon and they're in battle and then she meets this prisoner and like 
she starts talking about this novel with him and then they bond over that and then it evolves into this Romeo and Juliet type thing where you know two conflicting sides are together but it's just a a really nice uh, story and journey love and acceptance and uh, everyone else like along the way like kind of seeing that seeing their love and being like yeah like why can't why can't we like, get along? Like, why, can't, why are, why are we fighting? There's a lot of good themes in that entire, entire series. Like, and that's just like one. I, I haven't read it. I, I think I had to read like the first issue or something when I was at wizard, but that's it. I don't remember it at all. Brian K. Vaughn, right? Yeah. 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 And Fiona I have Staples. an extra, I have an extra copy of the first volume. I'll send it to you. Oh, thank you. I will happily take that. <laughs> and that's it. That's, that's all I have on that. All right. Honorable mentions, Kalel. All right. So uh, two of them we've already talked about. So I had Shira in my honorable mention, and then Oracle on my honorable mention. Ooh, look at that! I had Shira as well on my honorable mention <laughs> as well. Great minds. Yes. So I had two others. Uh, I had Samus Aran from Metroid. Mm. Okay. I have Samus on my honorable mention as well. <laughs> we didn't I almost put her on there, but I didn't know like that much about her character. That's why I didn't put her on my actual list because like I put her on my honorable mention because I haven't played too many video games with her except for Metroid and Super Metroid. But um, I, I mean, she's truly iconic though because she's like one of the first female uh, superheroes in video games, which is mm-hmm. just... I mean, revolutionary, and plus, I mean, she's freaking badass. I mean, wow, God, I love her. And then my... I can't wait for the new game. Oh, I'm looking forward to Metroid Dread. Holy cow. My other honorable mention is Jessica Jones. Oh, yes. You know, and I thought about her. I thought about her, but I didn't eventually put her on the list. Yeah. I mean, Kristen Ritter. How could you not? And then the original Alias run. Oh, yeah. I love love that original. Over here. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, I love the original Ooh. run. It, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's... It's gorgeous. Talk about overcoming, like, trauma, too. Yeah, because like. it ends on a happy note with her being pregnant. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. I haven't read that series in a long time. All right, those were my honorable mentions, so, Paul. Well, you guys all took my honorable mentions, except <laughs> oh, okay. for one. Except oh. for one. Okay. Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. Oh. Yeah? Yeah? Yeah. I, I, yeah <laughs> I, I thought about her, but... I did, too. I, I could never get too much into her in the comics, though. I read I read uh, Greg Rucka's run uh, during the Rebirth era, like, when that all started. But other than that, I haven't really read anything else. Yeah, I think I read the Jodi Picoult series that she did back in the early 2000s and i never watched the linda carter show oh it was good it was really good but it was iconic and there was no robbing of how iconic it was that the character still influences you know that character that version of the character still influences yeah all the other mediums i think gal gadot is phenomenal I think the first Wonder Woman was like, holy shit, that was yes. a minute. People mm-hmm. remember where they were at when they saw her. And 
there is no doubt that Gal Gadot was born to play that character. Mm -hmm. And I think Wonder Woman is just another name everyone knows. And she did a lot for representation. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, she deserves it. I loved her in the Superfronts. That was my era where I got Mm -hmm. to know her. And I loved her in the Justice League animated show. I thought she was wonderful. So, Diana, we love you. (laughs) Not enough to be on the list, though. (laughs) Not enough. (laughs) (laughs) womp womp but all right guys the moment we've all been waiting for drum roll please our number one pick okay i have a feeling that maybe michelle and i have the same number one pick so I think Cole, you should go first. Yeah. For yeah. Okay. Because I have a feeling number one is going to be shared by me and Michelle. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> I feel like such an outcast, but okay. No, uh, we just have a hive mind. That's all. <laughs> okay. My number one was actually Princess Leia. Oh! Oh, oh curse, Cole. <laughs> I... The Star Wars universe means so much to me. I used to watch it all the time with my father, and uh, I've watched them uh, so many times. And Princess Leia is just such a great character. I mean, and just like right from the beginning, she stands up to Darth Vader before she knows he's her father and stuff. And, like, I mean, she lies to his face to protect others so they can destroy the Empire. She sasses Tarkin when she's on the Death Star. And when she goes to, uh, when Luke and Han go to rescue her on, from the Death Star, she basically rescues them. I mean, she's shooting at stormtroopers and she's, hey, let's go in this trash compactor. She didn't know it was that at the moment, but I mean, like, let's get the hell out of here. But she's such an iconic leader and she keeps fighting for hope and the, and for what's right. And she came from, she came from privilege, you know, but she was still like down to earth still a part of the resistance, still doing her part. Like, you know, she was, I think she was orphaned twice. I mean, cause she didn't really know who her original parents were yeah. of her adoptive parents, you know, took her and she, like developed her into a strong like woman, like instilled all these great values on her. And she still lost her family and kept fighting for this cause that she believed in. And, and Carrie Fisher. Oh, I mean, Fisher. I just put her on my list. <laughs> I mean, I, I know, love I her. So smart. Like the way she rendered that character. Again, mm-hmm. she mm-hmm. could have just been dismissed as the princess. And maybe, ooh, maybe she's a little bit of a warrior. That's great. But it was Carrie Fisher who brought so much of that acting. And when she talked about in her book, The Princess Diarist, or mm-hmm. it may have been another one, like one of her other books, but she talked about like how when she talks about that scene with Jabba the Hutt, she's like, yeah, I was a woman who was put in that costume against my will and at the end i suffocated him and now all, all, all the, so when boys tell me they jerk off to me as princess leia in the gold bikini i'm like yeah someone put me in that and then i killed that motherfucker so think about that next time you know what i mean yes. I, that was yes. fisher's wit and the way she looked at things mm-hmm. i loved it so i agree princess leia was not on my list motherfucker that's okay that's okay that's why we have our little honorable mentions and you know we're <laughs> We're talking about it. We're talking about it. Talking about it. I don't know how else to keep on saying big words that describe how much Princess Leia means to me, but I just love her so much. 
Um, I mean, for everything we just said, that because it was <laughs> it, no. I mean, it's Princess Leia transcended the trope she was originally conceived to be, and became a symbol of rebellion. You know what I mean? And symbol even of hope. like a symbol of hope, a symbol of rebellion. And like, what, what was a meme that was going around a couple of years ago? A woman's place is in the rebellion. I loved it. I loved I have it. that so on a shirt. Oh that is God. magnificent. I love that. I was like, did I make that up? <laughs> I was looking for that shirt too. I was like, dang it, where's my Princess Leia rebellion shirt? <sighs> but it. Carrie Fisher, again, it's, um, I just love her. I love her books. You know, some little publishing tea, though, I heard she was very difficult to work with from a publishing perspective back when I used to work in publishing. But like, listen, you're fucking Princess Leia. You know what you want. (laughs) You know what the fuck you want. And I love her daughter. I love Billy Lord. Billy Mm, Lord. I love so much. Um, And, you know, I I think of her book, Wishful Drinking, (laughs) everything she had to go through and her perspective on the Star Wars franchise was just invaluable. I think the I. I think my only regret with Leia is that the Rise of Skywalker did not focus on her as I think it was originally conceived. I don't know. Yeah. I don't want to speculate. I don't want to be a clown. But when we found out that Luke had been training Leia in the ways of the Force, I loved it. And, you know, uh, The Last Jedi, when that shit happens, that it explodes and we think she's dead, but she goes like this and she uses the Force to like Mary Poppins her way back into. I love you know, it. I don't ship. care. What I loved people- it. I don't care. I mean, people always, there are some that don't care for that scene. And, but I, I mean, it's, I, I just love it. I love that movie. I don't too. know. How, how can you not be for that scene? I don't yeah. Literally, and the force is strong in, in my family. My father has it. My sister has it. So that means because she is a Skywalker by birth, she has mm-hmm. access to the force. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I love Leia. That's why she made my honorable mention. Mm. Yeah. Mm. 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 All right. Our number one. All right. How about this? I'm going to say my number one. No, you know what? I'm going to take a gamble and I'm going to say our number one is the same. Because she's fighting evil by moonlight and winning love by daylight. <laughs> Never running from a real fight. She is a one named Sailor Moon <laughs> right there. Yes. We didn't even plan that. No, I know. that was beautiful. I know. I know. Number one is Usagi Tsukino, Serena, <laughs> in the original dub, Sailor <laughs> Moon. Yes. Moon prism power. Make up. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so why, why is she your number one, Michelle? Um, well, I like the idea of somebody who's just like a regular girl just trying to get through life suddenly like you know does a humane thing rescues a cat like adopts a cat right and then this cat is like relatable yo girl you got powers and she's like what me no no not me and like you know her cat tells her like you're the resurrected moon princess you have this responsibility to find your fellow scouts and protect this world from an evil force that's trying to take it over. 
I mean, and- what, what I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you because what I okay. love about that, it, her origin story, it is so epic. She is a reincarnation of a dead moon princess and the evil that destroyed her empire in mm-hmm. the previous life has followed her into her next life. And it's starting to that first season, you see that evil is affecting her way of life. It's affecting her yeah. friends. It's it, it reaches yeah. a point in the Dark Kingdom arc why they had to go to the D point because the situation reached a dire point for them mm-hmm. personally. So anyways, I'm sorry. I can I'm like literally <laughs> going crazy right now. No, <laughs> I'm like it's trembling. Okay. I'm like trembling okay. here. It's a coffee. <laughs> Continue. Yeah. So she's just like she's literally fighting evil by moonlight so she's got to go and like battle all these baddies that are taking over her friends i think her friends parents like people she's kind of she kind of knows and she's just exhausted so i can understand why she's tired all the time and like late for school Um, and i like that she's still a little boy crazy too like she's got that love hate thing going on with uh with a Darian and Darian, Darian, uh, and I like that. I mean, spoilers. He's tuxedo mask, but I like that. <laughs> I like that his role in it is just to kind of be a distraction for her to like get when she's falling apart. When she's like, I can't, like I don't know how, or like she's not in a good like fighting position. He comes in is the distraction like says some like cutesy line like you got this girl and then she gets it together and she's like heck yeah I got this and then she's like moon tower magic and you know saves the day like what is like not to love and she's such she's such a big franchise that she is recognized around the world I mean yeah like people I mean my dad doesn't know anything about the things I like but he knew I liked Sailor Moon she yeah. represented 1% of Japan's economy in the 90s. 1%. Yes. yes. All of that Bandai merch accounted for 1% of the economy. Yes. Right yeah. there. Yes. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> Cole, like... <laughs> Cole, have you seen an episode of Sailor Moon? I'm not. But I know who you're talking about. So because she's ent- iconic. She is. Yeah. I, I mean, agree, for but those... know nothing of her. <laughs> <laughs> For those reasons, Michelle is, is why I love her too. I love that she is this, this is who I was at 14. I was a lazy underachiever who loved to eat, uh, play video games, take naps and read comic books. Yes. And people underestimated her and she actually was something bigger than people thought. And she was able to save the universe multiple times. And mm-hmm. I... I, I was shocked to hear this one later on from other people, but Sailor Moon was the first time you saw a female superhero in American culture at the forefront, just be a superhero mm-hmm. and a whole team of them as well. And I was like, well, the X ladies, I always read the comics and, and saw the X ladies, but I forget, like not everyone had that sort of representation. Sailor Moon mm-hmm. brought it. And I remember seeing that first episode thinking, who is, who was this girl literally went on my dial-up, my AOL dial-up, found some <laughs> stores in San Francisco, called them and had to get bootleg copies of the original Japanese, which were yes. still $30 for two episodes, two yeah. episodes on a VHS. VHS. You had to pay $30 
for that bootleg. And then it arrived two weeks later on UPS. That's why when UPS had that strike in the 90s, I don't know if anyone remembers that. Just me. Like, I remember sitting there with my abuela waiting for, like, is UPS going to show up? Because I got my Sailor Moon VHS bootlegs coming in. Like, I cannot do that. Anyway, sorry. I remember when Target started, or not Target, um, I'm sorry, Toys R Us started selling the the deke episodes like yeah. you got two episodes but they weren't it wasn't the whole collection like they were out of order and i was so upset i'm like how are you just going to give us like pieces like, two episodes that didn't even go together i think you got like the first episode and then when she meets like sailing mars or something yeah. and it's like no and then crystal this- clear destiny and then it just like kind of went through it. yeah but then they also released the Doom Tree series on the VHS. Yes, they did. And you had to order. You had to call. You had to dial one eight hundred just to get that. Yes, I'm like so. I never got it. I only got what like I could find at the store or uh, at Suncoast Video. They started like that was your place to get anime. Yeah. And I'm like, Where is and it Doom? wasn't even called anime. It was called Jap Animation. Yeah. Japanese oh. animation. That's how they referred to it. And, and that was a section in Blockbuster. And, and it, it was, was premium. Too. Yeah. Like it was because they had to import it. Yeah. And then. They had all those taxes for importing. <laughs> yes, I don't know. I'm theorizing. It was, it was costing so much to get this on like yeah. on some kind of medium. But. Oh, Sailor Moon. Yep. I mean, that's she's my number one. I'm still obsessed with Sailor Moon today. I love her very, very much. Okay, so can we all agree? Who do we think, out of all the names we have mentioned, who do we think we can agree on is probably one of the most iconic, most deserving of of the mantle of sort of one of the best female superheroes out there? That's hard. That's really hard. hard. I mean, I guess the only one that we could all that we all like said something about like Princess Leia, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I'm right there. Mine was Leia or or Storm. Those two. Yeah, I mean the X ladies, like in general. X ladies. Yeah, Jean Grey and the X Men. Jean Grey and the X Men. (laughs) Yes, you've heard of Wolverine and the X Men. Well, now there's Jean Grey and the X ladies. But yeah, I think Leia, I, I can come to the table with Leia, Shira, or Storm and the X Ladies. Those are those are the three I can Oh yeah, I can we come all to like Shira with. too. So yeah. She so won. I can come, I can come to the table. If we're gonna talk about Shira and Leia though, comparing, I, I I'd give it to Leia. I'd okay. give it to Leia as well. Okay. Well, I think we kind of like settled on Leia. Michelle, where can folks connect with you? You can find me on Instagram at Michelle Waffle or you can just search Michelle Waffle. Uh, thank okay. you guys so much for listening to us. Please make sure to follow us on Instagram at Masters of Comic Books. And if you would like to DM us or even email us at Masters of Comic Books at gmail.com, please do so. We'd love to hear your feedback and don't forget to rate and review us. I am player one, Cole L. I am player two, Dayspring. And I'm guest player three, Michelle Waffalo. <laughs> <laughs>